Of course. So today's learning should be for Fuish Lehman that surgery should go well for my grandmother, Tila Chai Bas Rachel. She should live and have good health, and Hashem should uh, watch over her during the procedure. Okay. So we are on the last line of Yudalad Amud Bet in Brachos. Uh, before we just, I wanted just to do two quick things that we just left off last week. One, we were discussing about fillin, and we t- mentioned very, very briefly, we touched upon mezuzah. So just one very quick uh, question about fillin. I see when people um, wrap their tefillin, they take off their watch. Is one allowed to wrap their tefillin over a, a wristwatch? Um, or one, does one have to remove the wristwatch? So the truth is, tefillin must be placed on the arm and on the head without any chatzitza. There can't be any interference between when you put the actual buy at the house of the tefillin on the arm. Um, the question is, does that apply to the straps as well when we wrap it, or is it limited just to the, to the bayit? So the Rashba, one of the Rishonim, um, the Talmud of the Ramban, says that this only applies to the bottom itself when you put the bayit on the house, on the arm, that's where it applies to, but it doesn't necessarily apply to the straps uh, of the arm. The Mishnah Brura actually holds that anything that's related to the tightening of the of the bite or the of, of the actual bite including the straps of of the bite not around the arm but when you tighten it around the head and around the arm that also has to be the can't be any chatzitza there it can't be any um there can't be any separation thank you an interference but it turns out that most of the post game hold that when it comes to the wrapping around the arm they are not as machmir and therefore from adin from the true letter of the law one does not have to go ahead and remove the wristwatch, although many people do. Me'ikar adin, one does not actually have to remove the wristwatch. You are able to go ahead and put the tefillin over a wristwatch, but many people are machmer um, to, to, to take it off. Interesting question comes up. If you have a chatzitza like that, what about the chatzitza long hair? What about having long hair? Is that a chatzitza? So some people say having long hair is not... <laughs> Is never a chatzitza, although some people say that hair, if it grows too long, is a chatzitza. You could ask your local rabbi. None of us here, as we continue to age, have that problem. So um, one other issue, I just want, we briefly touched upon, uh, upon um, mezuzah last week, um, and that is, when is the obligation of mezuzah set in? When are we obligated to put mezuzah in? So the truth is, as soon as someone moves into the home, one should put the mezuzah on. Many posts can hold that you should not actually affix the mezuzah, even if you buy the home, before you move in. The Chazonish was one of the opinions that said, once you start moving your belongings in, whether you move your furniture in or your other belongings in, you should put a mezuzah in. If one rents a home outside of Eretz Yisrael, Chutzlar, it's not in Eretz Yisrael, but outside of Eretz Yisrael, you actually have a 30-day window before you actually are obligated to put the mezuzah on and make a bracha. What is the reason for this 30-day reprieve? Is it not applied to Israel? Only in no, in Israel you're supposed to put it right away. The 30-day... It's only in the diaspora. And Chutzler, it's in the question is why. So Rashi gives a very interesting answer. Rashi says until 30 days has passed, one can change your mind about the rental, and therefore it's not really considered yours, and therefore you don't have to go ahead and put the mezuzah on. Tosfo says it's not considered... He said it's only considered a temporary dwelling until after... It's for the first 30 days it's considered a temporary dwelling. So Rashi says because you have the ability to renege and retract, and Tosa says because it's not considered a permanent dwelling until 30 days in, and we know that you're not obligated to put in in a temporary dwelling. The issue becomes, the issue becomes, according to Rashi, then what happens if you sign a long-term contract and the lease, and we know you're gonna be there more than a month? So in other words, even though the first month we say you have the ability to to renege, but in the event that you sign a long-term lease and you're not gonna renege, that according to that, you should really put it on right away. So it does have practical applications. 
we do go hold, and, and we, we're of the opinion that um, you're not obligated to make the bracha for 30 days. So even if you put a mezuzah on, many posts hold, you should put the mezuzah on right away. You don't make a bracha until 30 days. You can either remove the mezuzah at that time and make the bracha, or according to Rav Moshe Feinstein, if it's too much of a difficulty to actually um, detach, you know, take out the nails and put it back, all you have to do is touch it or rub the mezuzah and you can make a bracha. You don't actually have to detach the mezuzah at the 30-day mark. Wait, so why does that only hold true in Kutzlars? I mean, is contractually, are we bound differently in the Eretz Interesting. So I think we believe that everything belongs... You have a bigger tie to, you know, to the land. That it's, it's, it's more, you acquire it sooner. Um, it's, it's a little difference in the, yeah, in, in the still, concept. You moved out, let's say, 30 days. Within 30 days, you moved out of some place you were renting in... Right, but but that's so that 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 cooler doesn't apply. It's supposed to be within within first day, um, and most people hold that you're not actually obligating the bracha until day thirty. So even though you're supposed to put the mezuzah on right away, you don't have to make the bracha on day, until day thirty. So the question is, do you detach it and put, make the bracha and put it back on, or do you just touch it under difficult circumstances to remove it? But Moshe says you can just go ahead and touch it and make the bracha. The kuslar, it's, the rabbis are open that we change our mind and, and go back to Eretz Exactly, exactly. Mezuzah is one of the classic cases of compromise. What do I mean by that? How do we put our mezuzah on the door? Slanted. Ever, anyone know why we put it slanted? Yeah. Machlokas, whether this Exactly. Way, this way. Very good. So Rashi holds, uh, we, yeah. we held it, you should put the uh, mezuzah on vertical. Tosfil says you put it on horizontal. So in order to make a compromise, we put it slanted, which is always the nice vart when a family gets married, a husband and wife, and they get a new home. The mezuzah serves as a reminder that they're supposed to compromise with each other. It's not only yes, dear, I'm sorry, but hopefully once in a while, yes, sir, I'm sorry also. But we'll, we'll leave that to a different day. In any event. That's why it's tilted a little more. It's not exactly wow, 45 degrees. Degree. But uh, how that, do you, how do you... That's that's the. Uh, How do you put it anywhere horizontal? I mean, that's, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what they uh, that's what they uh, that's what Tosfa says horizontal. Rashi says vertical, and we make a compromise. Um, and hopefully, this should serve as a reminder for the new couple when they build their first house together. Okay, the Gemara. Sorry. Yes. You're supposed to leave it. You're supposed to leave it if the new person is coming is Jewish. You're supposed to leave it there. He he could pay you for it. He, he you can charge him for it. Yeah, doesn't matter. You can yeah you can charge him. You can charge him, but you have you're supposed to leave it there. Yeah. Okay. You say you make a new bracha as a new owner. You make a new bracha. Yeah. Okay. Now last line on Daf Yudalam Mebet. Someone who wants to accept upon himself full Malchus Shemayim, the full yoke of heaven. What should he do? Yipana. This is talking about in the morning when he wakes up. Yipana. He should go ahead and uh, take care of his uh, bodily uh, requirements and, and necessities. Go to the bathroom. V'yito yadov, wash his hands. V'yaniach tefillin, put on tefillin. V'yikra kriyashma, read kriyashma, v'yispalo. And he should go ahead and davin, meaning shman esrei. V'zohi malchus shemaim shleiman. This is how someone accomplishes the full malchus shemaim. He fully accepts upon himself the yoke of heaven. Why, why is it important? Why does the Gemara go out of its way to tell us he should take care of his bodily needs? For the very simple reason that if one is in, did not do that prior to davening, and while davening has the urge, he violates Baal Teshaktu, it's not Shosechem, you're not supposed to go ahead, by Baal Teshaktu, you're not supposed to go ahead and um, make yourselves abominable, meaning 
if you have the urge to go, you should really be able to go, and it's going to ruin your kavana. So therefore, in order to have the full kavana, when you dive in, take care of your bodily needs beforehand. And it says, interesting, it says, V'yital yadav. You should go ahead and you should wash your hands. But it doesn't say yirchot yadav. Why does it say yitol? So we'll get to this in a moment. But yitol suggests that you need a kli. You need actually a, a cup to wash your hands as opposed to just putting your hands under the faucet. We'll get to that in a minute, why that's important. Um, and that is the full way you are makabo malchashmaim shlema. Now it's interesting, by the way, why put tefillin on. So they say that the tefillin shorosh basically there is to keep our neshama in check because our spirituality stems from our brain and the, the tefillin shel yad is right next to our heart and the heart is really the desire for the physical world and therefore when, we, when we're able to subjugate both with tefillin shel yad, the, the rosh, and the tefillin shel yad, the lev, we're really subjugating ourselves completely to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I hope you're paying this kid. That's a slave labor. This is not Vietnam. Dude, it's not Cambodia. Very good. You want to learn Gemara with us? <laughs> is he paying you? I hope so. Okay, now, so the Gemara continues. So we have a corroboration of the statement. Anyone who takes care of his needs and then washes his hands. The Pasuk speaks about such a person. It's as if he built an altar to Hashem. And he sacrificed the carbon. I wash in cleanliness my hands. Um, by the way, Ayal's I abusing your, your grandson here. Let's just make him come back and forth with four different, four different uh, courses of food. Okay. I hear you. He could be the youngest we've had. Okay. So I wash my hands in cleanliness. And I will circle the Mizbech of Hashem. So it says that if you go and you wash your hands, and it's as if, what's Vasovah Mizbech Hashem? I will circle the Mizbech of Hashem. Why is that considered like bringing a carbon? Because when the Kohen went ahead and he circled the, the, uh, the, the Mizbech to, to uh, sprinkle the blood, it, he only did that during the time of a bringing of a carbon. So therefore, that is the, uh, the reference here. It's interesting to note that this Pasuk only speaks about cleaning, washing your hands, and yet we said there are like five or six steps to, in, to achieve full, um, to achieve full Malchus Shemaim. Uh, we said uh, cleaning, uh, besides cleaning hands, tefillin, kriya shema, uh, tefillah, cleaning yourself, but yet it refers to this, if you wash your hands, and then it's like you, br- you brought a carbon. The Gemara continues, Amalei Rava, lo lamar one second, don't you hold this more than just washing hands? If you wash your hands, it's like you washed your whole body. You did tefillah. How do I know that? It doesn't say that, it says I will be washed in cleanliness. It doesn't say that I'll wash my hands. So if someone goes through these steps and washes his hands, it's as if he did much more than wash his hands. It's as if he's purified himself completely. And therefore, and therefore he, uh, he, it's as if he did tefillah. The Gemara continues. We're going to have a side... Sidebar in a minute about washing one's hands in the morning. But before we get to that, the Gemara says, Amr Ravina Larava. Ravina says to Rava, Chazi Mai Mar Hait Did you see this young Tamil Chacham who said as follows, The Asomi Mar Rava, who came from Eretz Yisrael. Remember, this was written in Bavel. 
every time it says Ma'arava, it's referring to west of Bava, which is Eretz Yisrael. And this young Surba Merabanan, this young Talmud Chacham said as follows, V'omar, someone who does not have the uh, accessible water to go in and wash his hands before he davens, it sounds counterintuitive, but he actually can take some earth, a clot of earth, and rub his hands in it. You would think that'll make his hands dirtier, but for these purposes to remove the sweat and the dirt from his hands, he can actually rub his hands in, in earth, or with a small stone, or a small chip of wood. So they said, where, where was the source for this? So Ravina says to Rava, where did you hear about this? This young Tamakhachum said this, what's his source? So Rava responded, actually Shaprikamar, what he said makes total sense. Why? Does it actually say in the Pasuk that I wash my hands in water? It just says, He says that my hands will be washed, um, will be cleaned. It doesn't say that I will actually wash it with water. And therefore, anything, any item that can clean your hands, then you can go ahead and uh, fulfill this obligation. And that includes afar, which is earth, shor, a small stone, or a kismis, which is a small chip of wood. Now, um, before we get to this, just the question in general, what is the purpose of why we wash our hands in the morning? And what does it actually accomplish with the, when you take a, a small stone, clod of earth? So the Magan Avram says, this only actually removes the dirt and sweat from your hands. When you wake up in the morning, this doesn't take the place of water. What is the reason why, anyone know what, there are three separate reasons why we do Nagel Vasar, why we wash with a cleave three times in the morning each hand. Anyone have an answer? Tuma, yeah. This is more, more, more or less the same. We'll get to that in a second. Sleep is like this. Same so, so, so two different things. So I'll give Marty credit. And I'll give you guys credit. It's two separate ones. So the first one is the, the, um, the, the rush actually holds that he says, Yadayim Askaniyoshem, which basically means that when we are asleep, we're not in control of our hands. Our hands can touch body parts that are that are tummy that are that, that are dirty and require and therefore we have to require washing. The Rashba is of the opinion that based on a Pasuk and Echa, that each morning we wake up we're like a birya chadasha, we're like a new creation. So someone said it's someone's like it's like death. Who said that? More or less, right? So we're waking up we have a little bit of they say that uh, sleep is a little bit of uh, of death and we wake up in the morning. One sixtieth good. We wake up in the morning Based on the Pasuk, the Pasuk in Echa says, We are renewed, renewed in the morning. Your faith is great. So because we're like a birya chadasha, we have to go ahead and um, we have to go ahead and wash our hands. And he says, he equates this to the Kohen doing the Avoda. Before the Kohen did the Avoda, he would go to the Kior and he would take a Kli and wash his hands. So the Rashba says, what we do in the morning is patterned after the Kohen. So two different possibilities thus far, either because our hands likely touch the part of our bodies, which now requires us to clean our hands, and the, that's the rush. And the Rashba says, simply because we're like a Birei Chadash, we're like a new creation, and therefore we are patterned after the Kohen. Before he did the Avoda, before we daven, we have to go ahead and use a Kli. Two very practical applic- differences between these two opinions. Number one, what about for a different tefillah? What about for Minchar Mariv? So if you say that the whole reason is because we're like a new creation in the morning, then you don't have to wash your hands before Minchar Mariv. If it's because our hands are dirty, then if your hands are dirty before Mincha, you have to wash your hands as well. So the reason of the Rashba that when you wake up in the morning, Chadashim Labkarim, we're new, we're renewed in the morning, 
that's specifically to the morning that one has to wash his hands before davening. But it wouldn't apply to mincha or marev. As opposed to if your hands are dirty, if you touched an area, you just came in from the field and you're, and you're gathering in the olden times, you're here, let's say you're playing baseball or basketball and your hands are a little dirty and you're coming in and camp to daven mincha, you should really wash your hands according to the rush. The other major difference is, do you need a kli? So according to the Rashba, the reason why we need a kli is because we are mimicking the, ko- the Kohen, the Kohanim. But according to the, the Rosh, you don't, one, would not need, one would not need a, uh, a kli. Um, okay, and the last reason, by the way, the Gemara in, in Shabbos says there's a ruach ra'a. There's an evil spirit that descends upon us, and therefore the only way to remove this evil spirit is if you do the formula that we mentioned, but simply putting your hands under a faucet would not go ahead and accomplish that. Those are the three. That's better than. That's better than just putting it in a still water. But uh, ideally, you're supposed to have a clean, just like the coin did. But again, there's no cup. You're, you know. Correct. Okay. Gemara continues. The Gemara says. Um, well, we're going to see in a second if you don't have water. Now, most, by the way, the Gemara actually the. Kitha Shulchan says that if one is diving Shimon Esrei and you don't have water and your hands are dirty, you actually should just go ahead and rub them. Exactly uses this Gemara. You should go ahead and rub them on the floor. You should rub them on the, not on the floor, I mean um, on, this, on wood or take a stone. Uh, yeah, but that does not apply for, for the morning. Only really applies for, to remove the dirt, but not to remove the Ruach Ra. The Gemara continues. Um, the Har Rav Chistalite. Rav Chista used to condemn and used to criticize Aman de Mahader Amaya Be'idan Salosa. Someone used to go out of his way to find and locate water in order to wash his hands. He would criticize them. And why would he criticize him? Because the truth is, you, if you go ahead, and someone brought this up last time, by tefillin, we don't want you to miss, remember we spoke about last week, is it better to daven Shmona Esoi with a minion or daven Kriya Shema with a tefillin? And we said it's better to wait after davening to say to get your tefillin daven by uh, meaning don't wait don't miss um, tefillah but see more wait to get your tefillin that's presupposing you're not going to miss the zman of kriyashma so to here he says it's only good to go for water to find water to clean your hands if you're not going to as a result of that miss your hands miss the zman of kriyashma but if you're going to miss the zman of kriyashma then you do not go ahead and go searching for water so that's what he says he would light he would uh, Rav Chista criticized Aman de Mahada, someone who would go ahead and search for, for water during the time of davening, if that would lead him to miss the Zman of Tefillah. Hanimili, when was he critical of such a person? Only for Kriyashma, Val Tefillah Mahada. He says the only time one should not go ahead and spend time looking for water to clean your hands, if we're afraid, by Kriyashma, because we're afraid you can miss the Zman. But for Shimon Esrei, you can. What's the obvious question? There's a Zman for Shemona Esrei as well. We're going to see in Tav Chafav, <coughs> arguably the most famous parak in Shas, where they talked about um, the Tfilas Arvis and the Rishos and who, who instituted the, the uh, Tfilas. Was it because of the Karbanos or the Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov? And basically, we're going to see that there's a Zman for Shemona Esrei as well. You only have them until the fourth hour. So why was he okay with allowing people to go ahead and search for water for Shimon Esrei. They weren't worried about Shimon Esrei. He was only worried about Kriya Shema. You're going to miss his amount of Kriya Shema, so don't look for water. Kriya Shema, because you only have until the third hour. But you only have until the fourth hour for Shimon Esrei. So why was he okay with that? So the... Ma- well, what? Doraisa. Doraisa. 
Okay, so excellent. So Kriya Shema is Dorai. So that's one of the answers the Gemara is going to give. But the truth is, we believe that, that Tefillah is also. The first dive in Tanis, Gemara Tanis says, When it says, What does it mean that you have to go and worship Hashem with all your heart? Zohi Tefillah. It has to be a Vodash and that's referring to Tefillah. There is a Machlokas, to your point, in whether Tefillah every day is Minat Torah. The Rambam is of the opinion that every day the obligation to Dav is Minat Torah. The Ramban believes the only time we were obligated in Torah Daven is in Ace Tzara, a challenging time, a difficult time. I think Rav Salvechik wanted to say that the Machlokas is not whether the, that you only Daven in Ace Tzara. question is, whether the Rambam today and Ramban, whether today is in Ace Tzara. Whether, since we're in the Golos, if every day represents an Eitzara, does every day represent a challenging time for us in which we would need to beseech God and ask for His mercy? But be that as it may, so that's one answer. Very possibly. And possibly, according to some opinions, it may be the Shemona Esrei is only Midrabanan. We'll get to that in a second. But the bottom line is, there's still a, a time frame. So why is he okay with that? So the answer is that Madonna Yontif suggests that... Uh, <clears throat> Really, we have all day to daven Shimon Esrei. There's such a thing as Tashlumen, we're going to get to that. If one misses the time for Shimon Esrei and Shachris, you can daven Mincha. But the, the Ikara Din, the time frame for daven Shimon Esrei is 12 hours. You have all day during the day. Shema is literally only three hours. If you miss Shema afterwards, we don't have Tashlumen by Shema. So Me'ikara Din, the mitzvah, there is no Zman for, for, for Shema Esrei, Me'ikara Din. We made it so that you should daven early in the day, but if you miss it, you certainly make it up later. In any event, so, the question is, so that, now we're going to ask, um, we're going to see later on, um, let's see, um, we're going to ask, later on we're going to give that answer. Now, the Gemara says, the Gemara goes on to say, Kama, how far does one have to go out of his way to search for water? So the Gemara says, Ad Parsa. You have to go until a Parsa. Parsa is four mil, which is, each mil is 2,000 amos. So you, technically you should go about 8,000 amos to find water, which is about two and a half to three miles. Now, the other time where Parsa comes up is by, by Tchum Shabbos. We're not supposed to go out of the Tchum of Shabbos more than 2,000 Amos, even though we're allowed to go, make our din, you're allowed to go 12,000 Amos. But why they picked one-sixth, I'm not sure, but the Torah said basically, um, they really, um, they, they don't want you to go, they're making a siyag, they're making a boundary. If you really have to go 12,000 Amos, we'll only, only let you go 2,000 Amos. That's also where Parsa comes in. But here, they say you can go up until four Parsos, and that's 8,000 Amos, which is about two and a half to three miles, right? And Amos is about, uh, between about uh, a foot and a half to two feet. So the Gemara continues, Vahani mili likame. The only time one has to go out of his way that far to look for water is if the, the, your search for water will lead you in the direction that you're going. So if you're going that way anyway, continue in your path and look for up to four, four parsa, four mil, sorry, one parsa, four mil. But if avala chore, but if you have to go back, do a 180 and go backwards, afilu mil in the You do not have to go back more than a mil. But the Gemara says, umine, from the Gemara says, the fact you don't go back more than a mil, mil in the mil You do have to go back for, for a mil, meaning you have to go back either 2,000 amos behind you or up to 8,000 amos ahead of you, about two and a half to three miles ahead of you to look for, to look for water. Okay. Let's just at least, uh, I'm going to start the Mishnah. Just, let's do a couple lines. The new Mishnah on Dav Tesvav says as follows. Someone who reads Shema did not say it loud enough that he can hear it in his ear. In other words, he didn't say it audibly enough that he can hear it. Yotza, he's still Yotze. 
Rabbi Yossi Omer lo yotza. Rabbi Yossi says he was not yotze. So the question is, if I said Shema so low that I was not able to hear myself, certainly not so that no one else can hear, but even I couldn't hear, are you yotze or not? So the Gemara says, this is Machlokas. We're going to see that this first opinion is Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda says you are yotze. Rabbi Yossi says you are not yotze. What about the next line? Korav lo diktek biyosi yosel. You read it, but you did not enunciate each word correctly. Rabbi Yossi says you are yotze. Rabbi Huda says lo yotze. So there they flip. They flip. Now initially they said that someone who does not say it audibly, Rabbi Yossi says you're not Yotze, Rabbi Yudha says you are Yotze. Now a different element, and that is if you do not enunciate the words. What does enunciate the word means? There's a lot of words in, in, the, in Shema that the last letter of one word is, is the same letter as the next word. Bechol Levavcha. Right? Bechol Levavcha. So you say one word, Bechol Levavcha, that's not enunciating. <clears throat> There's other examples. Vechara Af. If you say Vecharaf, that's also not enunciating. Bechara af means Hashem will be angry. Bechara af is going to if you can embarrass. Two different words. So bechara af, bechara af, or bechol levavchem, bechol, um, right? Vavadatem meheira. Vavadatem ends with a mem. Meheira starts vavadatem meheira. If you say one word, that's not enunciating. So in that case, there's a machlokus whether you're yotze or not. <clears throat> and lastly, the last line of the Mishnah. Hakori lemafreya. Let's say you read it backwards. Either you read the partials out of order, three, one, two, or three, two, one, or you read the psukim out of order. Lo yotze, you're not yotze. Kara vita. What happens if you actually read and you made a mistake? You read it in the wrong order. Yachzor lemakom shata. You should go back to the place where you first noticed that you made the mistake, and then you'll go back from there and you'll pick up, and we will pick up in Meretz Hashem with the Gemara um, <clears throat> on. Thursday. Uh, so I, again, we won't be here tomorrow, or I won't be here tomorrow, or Wednesday. We'll be here to pick up Thursday. And again, it's a little bit erratic, just because travel uh, up to visiting day and everything. Next week, um, the, I will start. We'll do Wednesday and Thursday next week. So this week Thursday, and next week Wednesday and Thursday, and then we're back on track for a regular day. Have an amazing day, everyone.